1: Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, who's live in Chicago. Can't wait to talk to him about that. We've got a quick update on the 49ers free agency moves that happened after our podcast yesterday and then some of the stuff that's happened today. We're recording this Tuesday afternoon. So we told you that any news that happened, we'd have a pot out for you, and there's been news that happened. So we're going to talk about it. Here we go.
0: Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle
2: is going to go touchdown. Wilson's oh, got him in a second back inside. The-
1: In Put pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown. 49ers. Dude, you're in Chicago, and I'm really, really jealous because when I went to Chicago last year, we were there for like 36 hours. And we're at a wedding for most of those 36 hours. So now you're chilling in Chicago. And you have a basketball game to go to eventually. But what have you been up to in the Windy City? Tell me everything.
3: (laughs) Um, Not a whole lot just yet. I I got here. I had an early morning flight, uh, which came after a late night doing King's Milwaukee Bucks. Um, So I actually didn't end up going to sleep last night because uh, sometimes I just like really need coffee at halftime of a basketball game to like really be able to, to write about it. Uh, like, you know, when you're turning in a story at, at midnight or whatever, like I just, so anyway uh, I was in no position to just quickly go to sleep and then be up and head to the airport at 4am. So I just decided to, you know, maybe do a little bit of laundry and, and, and pack and, and then uh, called a, called a car and went to the airport without going to bed <laughs> Um, so I got here, took a nap, and then I uh, I walked around a little bit. Went and got a dipped Italian beef sub Mm. from Big Al's. It was Italian beef,
1: like the hot dog, the Chicago hot dog gets all the pup, but a good Italian beef knocks a good Chicago hot dog way out of the park. Yeah, to me, it's not even close.
3: Yeah, I, so to be honest, I haven't really dove into the to the Chicago hot dog yet, though. But I feel like I should, as as a Polish, a person of Polish descent, I should sure. probably, I should probably get a Polish dog before I leave the Greater Chicago area uh, Thursday morning. Um, I'm here for Kings Bulls. Oh, you and got then, time? And then I have a back to back. I have a back to back. The Kings have a back to back. i'm not playing basketball the kings have a back-to-back um thursday in brooklyn so i'll be flying to new york thursday morning and then doing a game so i'm still used not used to all this nba travel i've taken approximately three naps today um, but i did make it outside and uh, chicago's beautiful i'm uh,
1: a great city really
3: understanding this you know jimmy garoppolo's blue collar upbringing by (laughs) by being able to walk around and, and breathe the air a little bit so
1: do you think it's going to be culture shock for him to go to Vegas after growing up in a place near Chicago?
3: No, I think Jimmy, Jimmy can, you know, they're blue collar people in Vegas too. It's no not doubt. all, it's no not doubt. all glitz and glamour. There's, there are people who bring their hard hats and push oh, really? to work and punch in and punch Oceans
1: out. Eleven, ever heard of it?
3: <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. No, so either, J- Jimmy will be fine. Jimmy will be fine.
1: <laughs> and that's our pod. Thanks, everybody. No, uh, so. <laughs> So we'll start where we'll we'll start with with a move yesterday that happened after the podcast ended. Jimmy Ward heading to Houston, following D'Amico Ryans there. Uh, Hassan Ridgway also following D'Amico Ryans to Houston on a one year, four million dollar deal. Jimmy Ward gets two years and thirteen million dollars. So I'm a little bit surprised that, that Jimmy Ward wound up. In in Houston, considering that D'Amico Ryans was the defensive coordinator for his move to nickel corner. And I was still under the impression that the Niners might bring him back despite re-signing Tayshawn Gibson to a one-year deal, but they did not. And I think that loss is going to hurt more than it kind of like it more than it seems because he was really good in the slot last year as a corner. They felt his, they felt his absence at free safety last year. Like they were much more susceptible to passes down the field than they had been in years past. And I think that was due in large part to Jimmy Ward, not running around back there in the back end of the secondary. So not only do they lose maybe their most versatile defensive chess piece, in Jimmy Ward, but now they lose the best free safety on their roster and maybe the best nickel corner on their roster.
3: Yeah. I, I always thought, I mean, people listen to this podcast will know like we, we've both talked about it. it. It was weird. What happened with Jimmy Ward, one of the mm-hmm. longest tenured players on the team, a team captain, somebody who Kyle Shanahan spoke about with such reverence when he was a free agent a few years earlier to all of a sudden lose his position to Tayshawn Gibson, um, be injury. And I I understand there's an element of, well, the secondary, the best version of the secondary, given the personnel probably included Jimmy Ward playing nickel, but I always thought Jimmy Ward could have played both. Like we see plenty of guys play free play safety and slot corner. And the 49ers only played Jimmy Ward at slot corner. And you know, like I, I fully understand why Jimmy Ward would be frustrated with that scenario, particularly in a contract year, you know, like he's, he's hitting the, the, this is probably the last legitimate shot he has at getting a, a lucrative contract, like $13 million is not huge in NFL terms, but for a safety or a defensive back, you know, entering his thirties, like there aren't going to be too many more of these opportunities. And so for Jimmy Ward, somebody who's sacrificed a ton for the 49ers throughout his career, you know, starting off in the slot and then moving outside and then moving to safety and then moving back to nickel and just all the position switches, all the coaching staffs he saw, all the different defensive coordinators and schemes and all of that. He was really kind of a survivor, and it was a little bit odd to see the 49ers allow him to just lose his position to injury to a guy. Like, frankly, look, Sean Gibson had a really nice season. He was a really nice story, uh, particularly to be a street-free agent, signed a few weeks before the regular season started, and to play at the level he did throughout the year was impressive. But Jimmy Ward, in, in my opinion, was one of the best free safeties in the league for a few years. Totally and to right. all of a sudden just not – to not have that spot and to be relegated to playing in the slot – I thought, you know, like it, I thought it would be totally understandable if Jimmy Ward felt like that was that was a little bit of a slap in the face, um, particularly given how vocal he was about wanting to play safety. That was always his preferred position. Um, so, you know, he was a good soldier about it for, for the most part. I mean, he definitely let it be known that he wasn't happy with the way things were going. Um, but I just thought like. You know, like, now you're relying on to Sean Gibson to be your starting free safety into his 30s. He's older than Jimmy Ward is. Um, he's less athletic. He's less versatile. Um, you know, the, the one thing with Jimmy Ward, and, and I'll always remember the 2019 Super Bowl against the Chiefs, like, every third down, Jimmy Ward was man-to-man on Travis Kelsey. And, you know, Robert Sala talked about Jimmy Ward glowingly throughout his time as defensive coordinator, basically saying, like, Jimmy Ward – Regardless of position, is one of the best one-on-one cover guys in the NFL. Um, there were so, there were
1: reps in twenty nineteen where he was covering Cooper Cup in the slot effectively.
3: Yeah, there's not that yeah. many dudes that can do that. And he was yeah. So and he was essentially in third down for you know a lot of key plays in twenty nineteen a slot corner, mm-hmm. which made me think oh he could play both well, now this zoom forward to this year, he has the injury early on in the season. Then it's like, all right, you no know, longer the free safety. It's like, man, that's, that's kind of tough. And I think the 49ers are are taking on a pretty sizable risk and we'll see what happens with the draft. Maybe they, maybe they draft a free safety who they really like. Um, but, you know, I, I would look at the 49ers defense and yeah, they have a really good pass rush, but If the pass rush were to ever go away, I would say free safety is a substantial question mark. And perhaps the 49ers pass rush will cover up any issues they have in the secondary. Because to your point, Jimmy Ward basically played two positions um, and they lost Emmanuel Mosley, who was a starter for them before he tore his ACL last year. So, you know, now there are some question marks in the secondary. Do you trust Samuel Womack to be your nickel corner? Do you tr- Can you trust Tayshawn Gibson in his 30s to be the back end of, um, you know, the quote-unquote eraser of, of your defense and, and Steve Wilkes' scheme? You feel good about Charvarius Ward. You probably feel pretty good about or Lenore at this point. But other than that, and Talano Hufanga, obviously. Um who's, you know, probably more limited than than I think people realize given all the recognition he got last year. But these are some pretty substantial questions and while the 49ers yeah. did good in getting Javon Hargrave to bolster their pass rush and they should have a really really good defensive line again next year, there are some questions in the secondary and I'm assuming they'll do they'll answer those questions more through the draft and maybe with developing some of the guys they already have than, you know, making any more splashy additions at free agency.
1: That's why doing draft stuff before free agency is so hard. Because right. going in, I I didn't think that corner was going to be a huge need for them. I didn't think safety, Frank, was going to be a huge need because I kind of thought Jimmy Ward would be back. So now all of a sudden they're looking at a spot where, okay, because you mentioned Emmanuel Mosley goes to Detroit on a one-year $6 million deal. I was counting Mosley's back and I thought Jimmy Ward would be back. Well, now they need to figure out what they're doing at corner because even if even if they're looking at it right now and going, okay, it's Traverius Ward and, and Diometer Lenore, the outside corner, Samuel Womack in the slot. You can't just roll with three corners and feel good about it. Like they tried that in 2021 and it did not go well. They figured it out. They pieced it together, but that's not a position you want to be in as a team. So now I think they have three third round picks. Maybe there's somebody they really like that they trade up for in the third round, but now all of a sudden to me, cornerback and that free safety spot become essential to address, address via the draft. Because I don't think they're yeah. going to be able to do it in free agency, at least not with anybody substantial.
3: Well, there's also a lot of pressure now on Ambry Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this is a good opportunity for Ambry Thomas to really put behind last year where it, it seemed like he just took traumatic steps back after a pretty promising end of his rookie season in 2021 mm-hmm. to our last year, he wasn't ever really a, a viable option. Um, and so, you know, maybe, you know, he looked like he was starting games or, or at least playing a lot late in 2021. And he looked like, wow, the 49ers might've found something in Amory Thomas. And then last year it just seemed like he really regressed like the coaching staff. He wasn't, he wasn't getting a whole lot of reps with the first team, um, in the in the off season program, he wasn't. Um, it never really seemed like he was pushing D'Amador or Lenore for any reps at all. Mm-hmm. Even when Emmanuel Mosley went out, and it was like, man, this is a third round pick that that looked pretty good at times as a rookie. Remember the interception he had in the Week eighteen game against the Rams? Yeah, like, it was. You know, it was people were he got better himself. every
1: week that he started.
3: Yeah, people were were rightfully optimistic about Ambry Thomas. And then his second year, it was like, well, what happened? You know, like, did he did he not work out in the offseason as much as he needed to? Did he come in out of shape? Did he just, um, was there just a general lack of focus? You know, whatever. I, I mean, with, with there being a new defensive staff now, I'm curious as to how or what that's going to look like. Um, but, I mean, ideally, if you lose Emmanuel Mosley, um, and Jimmy Ward you would love for Ambry Thomas to sort of reclaim his standing on the team and maybe even push for a starting job because you remember early last year Diamandor Lenore was pretty good in the slot. He was a he was a re, he was playing really physical. He was you know he, it looked like the 49ers might have found something when Diamandor Lenore was playing in the slot when Jimmy Ward was hurt. And then Lenore had to kick outside when Emmanuel Mosley tore his ACL in Carolina. So if Ambry Thomas can, can get back into the mix and potentially, you know, even if he's not starting, but just play like a capable NFL player that could be really big for the 49ers, because like you said, like they have a, they, they, there's a vacuum there now beyond Charverius Ward and Diamond or Lenore, like they need guys to step up, whether those are guys coming in the draft or Ambry Thomas. And I think Ambry Thomas really has an opportunity to solidify himself and maybe, you know, a good year would go a long way towards him earning a second contract in the NFL with the 49ers or or another team.
1: Yeah, I think if if the Niners are painting their ideal picture, you probably have Ambry Thomas stepping up and grabbing the outside starting job across from Traverius Ward and then kicking Lenore down to the slot. And that way, you're insulated with Sammy Womack, who I presume they're comfortable with playing the nickel. They were until Deamador Lenore kind of overtook him. I didn't think he was playing poorly, but when when Lenore took over, it was kind of an odd an odd thing. So let's assume that they still feel okay about about Sammy Womack in the in the slot. If it's Ambry Thomas, Trevarius Ward, Deamador Lenore the nickel, and then you have Lenore available to kick outside with with Womack stepping in for him if one of the outside guys goes down. Okay, now you're feeling a little better, but that 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 it's that fourth corner having four good corners is really hard but like you kind of need it there's going to be an injury there's going to be a day where a guy's not available and if it's a disaster where you're going out and signing Josh Norman before week one like that's that's where you run into the problems that they had in 2021
3: yeah and that was the issue right it was Jason Verrett is a starting cornerback going into 2021 it was like man yeah, Jason Verrett had a hell of a season in 2020. He played really well and looked really good coming off all those injuries. But you and I talked about it ad nauseum going into the year. Like, If anything happens to Jason, to, to Jason Verrett, the secondary is going to be in a really bad spot. And lo and behold, he tears his ACL in week one against the Lions. And then Josh Norman is playing a lot. And they're sort of signing veterans off the street. And it didn't it didn't work out. <laughs>
2: and then and it forced the niners.
3: <laughs> it forced the niners. I mean, honestly, like and we've said this before too. Like the cornerback position in 2021 is probably is really the biggest culprit to them, you know, all those past interference penalties, right? Like the cornerback position in 2021 was the culprit for them getting off to that bad start and ultimately being a wild card team and having to go on the road in the 21 playoffs instead of you know, maybe winning the division, Mm -hmm. you know, I know the Rams ended up being really good and won the Super Bowl, but the Niners beat the Rams twice. Like it it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been crazy had the 49ers solidified their cornerback position more they would have won the division that year and not had the tough route in the playoffs. But, you know, so that like cornerback depth, to your point, is super important and the 49ers should know that given the examples that they've seen in recent years because when they added Traverius Ward and they had pretty good depth, you know, they they were able to withstand it. But now your depth takes a serious hit when you lose Emmanuel Mosley and you lose Jimmy Warden for agency to other teams.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Another defensive player exiting Aziz Shire. This is expected. He is, there's been, it's weird. There's no report that he's like agreed to a contract. It's just that he's expected to go to the Titans. So maybe they're locked in and they're just hammering out details on that, on that contract. But it was all but certain he was going to leave for a more money and be a larger role. And He's one of those players that to me, it's like losing him makes the Niners defense a little bit worse, I think. But he's also not irreplaceable. If that makes sense, like in a vacuum, he's better than Oren Burks or Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. But if they drafted a linebacker in like the third or fourth round, who was just immediately just kind of Aziz Alshire light, it wouldn't shock me at all.
3: No, and I mean, like this is this is a sign that a front office is generally doing a pretty good job when you're able to sign somebody as an undrafted free agent, develop him, have him play not a bit role, but like a, you know the third linebacker job and, and making starts here and there for Drake Greenlaw. Like, it was a he was an important player for them, and he turned out to be really good. And you remember, like, he kind of slid through the cracks because I think he had a knee injury in college. They thought he would have been a drafted player, but um, he had the knee injury. Tore his ACL in October. Yeah, Tore his ACL, and then – but ended up being a really good player for them, uh, all things considered. And so – you know, you you generally think, and the draft obviously is no sure thing to say, like, oh, they got an undrafted guy in Al Shire, they, they can just throw a draft pick at him. Because we've seen the 49ers miss on draft picks, right? Good. But, yeah. <laughs> but Boy. generally, I, like, it, it feels like they've been better on defensive guys, maybe even, like, linebackers and safeties in the draft a little bit more so than, you know, I guess cornerbacks. Defensive I mean, you tackles. Can look at and defend yeah, maybe defensive tackles also. But no, it feels like a prime opportunity to use a mid-round draft pick on a linebacker that you could potentially see, you know, maybe replacing Drake Greenlaw in a couple years if you decide that you're not gonna pay, you're not gonna give him a third contract, and presumably with Fred Warner sticking around for the long haul. Um, so you know, it like would it be crazy if they drafted a linebacker in the fifth round, like Dre Greenlaw was, who just ended up being a stud. Just some dude no. who slid under, the, you know, slid through the cracks for whatever reason. Like, it's so reached I, a point. I, that's
1: my expectation. Like, yeah. I'm just expecting that to happen.
3: <laughs> yeah, and maybe at that point, I don't know who Fung is playing linebacker, right? Like, Hi. TBD. TBD. But uh, hey. uh, go ahead.
1: It's kind of wild. We've brought up Emmanuel Mosley. We brought up Aziz Shire. Jeff Wilson Jr. got a new contract. Matt Breida got a new contract. That's four undrafted guys that this Niners regime has brought in that is that are still getting contracts to have roles on NFL teams.
3: Anerhi Mostert, who was brought in by Chip Kelly, which is wild to think oh, yeah. about, too. That's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. so that, that that's a good guys. sign.
3: That's a good sign for your front office, generally. Like, if yeah. you're if you're finding undrafted dudes that end up being good players for you and then get paid elsewhere, that that's a good sign for the way you're building your roster. But again, you, you have to keep doing it. Yep. Yeah. The churn has to, you know, that ultimately like, what was Trent Baalke's biggest downfall, right? Like they, they built. whiffing. Yeah. They built a really good roster with Scott McLuhan. And then once those guys started to age out, Trent Baalke was unable to find guys to replace those guys and resupplement the roster and ultimately that's why the 49ers went from having arguably the best roster in the NFL to one of the worst. Um but this this regime with John Lynch and Adam Peters and Kyle Shanahan has done a pretty good job of um of finding guys and replenishing the roster. So that's you know that's that's what a good team has to do year in and year out when you have a bunch of big contracts on the books. And the 49ers have a ton of big contracts on the books. And now that stresses the the personnel department to find replacements and, uh, and the teams that, you know, contend year in and year out are, are the ones with, with the strongest personnel departments in terms of finding those types of players. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, um, that's just something there. They have 10 draft picks this year. If they turn two of those guys into starters, like that, and and a couple of reserves. Like that's, that's a big deal. So let's real quick get into Jake Brendel, who re-signed a four-year deal. It's worth up to twenty million. It's eight million guaranteed. I, I like honestly, I don't know if Jake Brendel is like the guy moving forward. I don't know if he's the long-term answer at center. I don't even know if he's ever going to be anything above just kind of an average center, which is for the most part what he was this year. But if you're going to bring him back on that kind of deal in a year where you're not going to have a high pick to go get a really high quality center and you're looking at Keith Ishmael and Nick Zakel as your other options. Like this just avoids uncertainty at a position that Kyle Shanahan is really prioritized. During, during his 10, during his tenure, it was Weston Richburg. It was Alex Mack. They always made a big play for, for a veteran center. Well, now they have Jake Brendel who started all 17 games last year. He was fine. He's not going to be super expensive. They got him locked up for four years. I, I was, when the reports came out that there were like four or five other teams interested, I was really sure that the Jake Brendel contract was going to be ludicrous and it wasn't.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, you remember when they signed Weston Richburg in 2018, it was a, um, I believe it was a five-year, 38 and a half million dollars. Sorry, five, five years, 47 and a half million dollars. Um, so, you know, and and Richburg was a good player when he was healthy, but the issue, obviously the, the leg injuries kept piling up and he had some pretty substantial ones. I mean, if you're going to have a starting center in the league, like whether he's top half, top ten, whatever, I I don't. I have zero idea of what, frankly, the rankings look like at center. But if Jake Brendel is a center who you can run your offense with effectively, and who can pass block and do everything you need to in terms of run blocking, and um, that that's that's a pretty valuable position, and to get that guy at you know, four or $5 million a year, I think is ultimately a win for them because, you know, we see centers make twice that much in a season and the 49ers aren't necessarily in a position to go get that guy. And you would rather have a veteran with a little bit of experience now. And Brendan was an experienced guy in terms of like being in the league and being Mm -hmm. with Chris Forrester in particular, but last year was his first year as a, as a starter. Um, But just having experience in terms of being a professional is really valuable at that spot because it's such a complicated offense and you do have young quarterbacks back there um, that at least you have security now and you don't yeah. have to go into the draft pigeonhole being like, well, this team is loaded, but they have no center and right. they have no first or second round pick. So we can just assume that if they trade up in the draft, they're going to try to target the center And the NFL is going to try to make sure the 49ers don't have a center or don't come away Mm -hmm. with the center in the draft. So at least now you're like, all right, they have a league average guy, maybe somebody with a little bit more upside than that. And, you know, they were effective last year with him and they don't have to use a premium asset to go, to go find his replacement. So I think ultimately that's a positive.
1: They're also in a spot now where their offensive line has rounded into enough form that they can still go out and draft a center or a, player they think might start at right tackle and just now it's a competition thing it's like can you push Mm -hmm. this starter because it's Jake Brendel at center can they draft a there's a center from Michigan whose name I don't know how to pronounce but it starts with an O. (laughs) and can they go draft a, a player like that and okay maybe he pushes Jake Brendel for the starting job but it's not like a necessity that this draft pick is awesome Colton McKivitt's probably the front runner to start at right tackle or is the front runner to start at right tackle. Maybe Nick Zakel or somebody pushes him in, in camp or maybe they, maybe they draft somebody it's now like last year. Remember it was like, can Aaron Banks play left guard? Can Jake Brendel play center? Who's going to play right guard like that? Those were all questions going into going into the, the off season this year. That's not going to be the case. And that's just a better spot to be in. Even if your offensive line is going to be about average.
3: Yeah. So the 49ers have three third round picks and three fifth round picks. Yeah. Um, so so let, let real quick, before you get out of here, just like looking at at the roster right now, and this is before they potentially make any more additions in free agency, but you would say offensive line, really any spot. They could afford a third round pick. Like yeah. uh, let's just talk like third or fifth round pick. Offensive line, linebacker, safety, Corner. and cornerback, yeah, are probably the spots. So you have six picks and like four positions. I would say that are substantial needs at this point.
1: And I think I think a spot like safety is substantial enough that if there's somebody in the middle to early third round and they want to trade up, I think they have the assets to do that. If it's a yeah, player they that can... they're like, yeah, this is a day one starter kind of yeah. guy.
3: I think the 49ers overall, and we, we can get out here on this. Like, I don't know where you stand on this, but I think they do a pretty good mix, or that like they have a good mix of like being draft and develop, but also adding the necessary guys they need to in free agency or trade. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When they whiff, when they whiff in the draft, they're not afraid to go just supplement Treverius Ward last year. Yeah. Um, Lenore, Lenore and Ambry Thomas didn't look. You know, Thomas came on a little bit, but they knew K1 Williams was walking and they they just went and got a guy that they were like, this guy's going to start Javon Hargrave this year. The Javon Kinlaw pick wasn't working out. OK, fine. Go get a star at that spot. And I, I think that's that's effective, especially when you've been as good as they've been in finding players in the third round, the fifth round and and undrafted guys
3: and supplementing yeah, and not... the roster that way. They're not afraid to pivot if something doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Like Trey Sermon didn't work out. All right, boom, he's gone. You know, cool. we'll see you with like Ty Davis Price and some, you know, other guys like that. But they're they're not afraid to be like, okay, th- this isn't working out. Despite being quote unquote cop, pot committed in whatever this resource was, we're able to to pivot and move away and invest our resources elsewhere rather than try to wait around for some guy to to play better than than he's proven capable of playing all
1: right that's day two free agency updates the league year opens officially on wednesday we'll get another pod up with with any more news kind of throughout the week so just keep checking your feeds we're not going to be on a hard schedule just because chris's travel and news breaking essentially is is how we're going to roll with this so Keep an eye on your feeds. Thanks so much for listening. We'll have every move broken down for you. And then we'll also, we'll have a recap too. If, uh, if you can't keep up with the daily pods, we'll have a recap for you next week on the uh, big free agency waves. So thanks everybody for listening. Subscribe, rate, review if you have not. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: bye